mini-episode 1471 of the FDH Lounge is brought to you by Sportsology, delivering unconventional columns and webcasts about sports, TV, music, movies, and more. Follow them on the web at sportsology.com. The FDH Lounge. You want to schedule your life around it. A long time ago, on a gloomy, wet Cleveland spring night, two men stand alone amidst the late-night drizzle. Their voices echo across the vacant station parking lot as they debate the merits of the great American radio show that have been missing for far too long. On that night, an idea was born. That idea became the FDH Lounge. Welcome to the FDH Lounge. Another great position in this draft as well, uh, cornerback. Uh, you've, you've, you've got a couple kids here that uh, really project to be studs. And uh, again, this is very, very, very important for teams because it's the inverse of what we were just talking about with, with wide receivers here. The fact that you have, this game has never had a deeper crop of great wide receivers, it is all the more necessary to have cornerbacks to be able to match up with them. Some of the top ones in the group this year, uh, that uh, some of whom you will be seeing going in the top 10, um, it, probably more than one. Uh, Derek Stingley Jr. of LSU, Ahmad Gardner of Cincinnati, Andrew Booth of Clemson, Trent McDuffie of Washington, and Roger McCreary of Auburn. Uh, Jason, again, this is a, a group of guys that uh, they're going to be very, very, very valued for their ability to cover, quite frankly, some of the players we were just talking about across the, the, the other side of the ball at wide receiver. Yeah, this is another position group where you don't necessarily have to be sitting at the top spot to really come away with something nice. And I love, especially at the top, between uh, Stingley and uh, and Soft Gardner. It literally, wherever you are, if you want aggressive ball hop, you go one way. If you want a technician, you go the other way. You can't lose. So the guys at the top, I'm absolutely just blown away by I think both of them are going to sort of be in that almost Patrick Peterson, uh, Denzel Ward, uh, maybe not quite Jalen Ramsey. He's a little bit more physical, but uh, Stingley, Gardner, I think are great. Um, I think McDuffie and we got to mention Booth uh, are probably going to play better than their draft position would suggest, uh, and they might as well be almost fringe top ten guys. And then, you know what's interesting is I do like the kid from Auburn, uh, but Kair Alam from Florida is interesting as a bigger, longer guy. Mm-hmm. And then the one, I can't believe I'm going to say this, because we don't normally say nice things about these people, uh, but Daxton Hill out of Michigan <laughs> might just be one of those guys that can play, you know, maybe, maybe he could start at cornerback but he could also play nickel, and he could probably also split some time um, <clears throat> at free safety in a pinch. Uh, so, yeah, depending on what you want, what system you're running, what you're expecting, you need man press, are you more worried about you know dropping it zone? What are we talking about? Because whatever it is, I can find you somebody that fits that perfectly somewhere in the first two rounds. Uh, and then, even beyond the first two rounds, there's some quality depth here, too. Um, now, the guys you're going to get in the third and fourth round, they may not be Pro Bowl caliber, but they're going to be guys that if you have a shutdown corner on the other side already, it's going to be a real nice compliment. So, 
quarterback is nice. Um, I I don't think they can't miss, and a lot of guys have one or two things that you don't love. But by and large, I I don't can't miss is a stretch. But quarterback is a nice position group in this draft. It is, and it's one of the rare ones, as we said, because there's a lot of positions in this draft, quite frankly, that are crappy. Uh, but this ain't one of them. This has got some top-shelf guys. And, uh, Chris, I would go so far as to say a couple of the guys here uh, at the top of the uh, position here, if you're talking about Stingley or Gardner, I would go so far as to put the word prototype on them. Yeah, I think Stingley and Gardner are the can't-miss in this class. Um, and, actually, I have Stingley Jr. as my top overall player in the entire draft. Wow. Um, I think he's very special. And um, I think someone's going to get one hell of a player that even potentially could play on both sides of the ball if he needed them to uh, in a pinch. Um, he is really, really good. And um, I think he's going to be an all-pro uh, very quickly, if not uh, Pro Bowl in his first year. He's a stud. Um, but I, I agree. I mean, this is a deep class of players with a lot of skill set and um, you know a lot like you know we were talking about the you know the the wide receivers and how every year we seem to have a you know a great crop of wide receivers and I suspect that's because of all the quarterback camps and the seven on seven camps and all these throwing camps as we've gotten better at developing kids younger at the quarterback position um, I think it's important that we we remember that they're throwing to somebody. So these skills camps and these developmental camps that are really focused on skill position, um, I think you're really starting to see that trickle down into beyond just say the quarterback. They're throwing to somebody, and so now you've got kids, and they're you know they're being coached better earlier, even at the wide receiver position. So we're getting better players earlier, and I think that's and I think that's spilling into the cornerback position as well. Um, in terms of talent, you know, you can go even into like the third round um, in, in, in terms of this uh, these corners and, and a guy like Tariq Woolen out of uh, uh, UTSA, uh, you know, UTSA the road where they the Roadrunners. Um, you know, he's six four. He ran a four two six. Um, you know, there's a guy with long arms that you could you know potentially see. Um, might need a year or two to really blossom, but, you know, you get him in the third round, he's certainly probably starting in year two um, and, and would potentially enable you to, with the speed and the length of, of, of his frame and his arms, to be able to cover those taller wide receivers that sometimes give you trouble. Um, so, you know, there's guys all over the place here in this group. Um, and, and guys with, with speed and guys that can cover. I mean, I see a lot of four threes and four fours, uh, you know, looking at that at that position group. It really is incredible, uh, the, the class that they have uh, this year, the depth in the class, and uh, it is really something special. Uh, also in the defensive secondary here, as I rattle off a couple of other players, that are going to be drafted very high. Certainly a player is worthy of being drafted in the top 10, whether they go there or not. This first one, I believe, will, and he will uh, potentially go in the top five. As I say, also from the defensive secondary, safety, Kyle Hamilton out of Notre Dame, one of the by far best players in this draft. You've got center slash guard Tyler Linderbaum out of Iowa, 
and uh, Georgia linebacker Nicobe Dean. Certainly his number was being called a lot in that aforementioned national championship game. And uh, so these are some players uh, that are very marquee type guys that will be going in the first half of night one, uh, to be sure. So I want to turn it to each of you two guys and uh, talk about some other guys at positions we haven't discussed yet. So players that are on your radar, I'll start with you, Jason. Um, yeah, this is actually probably my favorite segment of this, this year in particular, because everyone's going to default to rank who's number one, who's number two, and all that jazz. Um, but there are some names throughout that may or may not be number one that I find really intriguing, and I think as we go through the draft, and you already mentioned one of them, um, where these guys go will likely dictate the flow of the, the pick to follow. Not all of them, but some of them. And uh, Kyle Hamilton is number one on that list. Where does he go? Is he going to go really high top five? Because the next he shakes some things out and some guys are going to fall that you wouldn't expect to. Or is someone going to get a steal if he slept on and he's still there after, say, pick 10? Uh, Devin Lloyd out of Utah I like a lot. Especially if you're looking for that more new NFL-type linebacker who is as good in coverage as he is listening. I think you're really going to like him. He feels up and down like a Belichick pick, so I'm worried about that just for the rest of the league. Christian Watson is probably my favorite player in the entire draft from, yeah, I'm not joking, North Dakota State. Um, I think anybody who's interested in wide receiver needs to spend some time watching this kid. Uh, 6'4", 220 ran, what was a sub 4'4". Four four. He has every tool you could possibly hope to get in the prospect, and it's just a matter of whether or not he is developed properly. Another big one is coming back to Georgia. You got the, the two-headed monster defensive tackle. George Davis, who was probably the more sexy pick, but Devontae Wyatt is right up there with him. The problem is some... Some entity, I don't know if it was a team or a reporter, but someone unearthed that he had multiple domestic violence charges at Oof. some point in time. So that's probably going to have him fall. And that brings me to my favorite guy not many people are talking about. And I don't know where he fits, I'll be honest. Uh, fit is always a concern at defensive tackle specifically. I don't know where he fits. I just love his motor. I love his attitude. And every time you put the tape on, you expect to see him pop off. And that is Perrion Winfrey from Oklahoma, who I don't expect to go in the first two rounds. Uh, Mid-second mid round is earliest. Um, but again, he's a guy I'd love to see the Browns grab in the third round, by the way. Uh, I wasn't going to say it, but hey, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll fall in line right behind you on that. Uh, if, if he's there at 44, I'd love to see that happen. But, yeah, the, the, the bottom line here is this is not one of those drafts where if you miss on the number one guy, you're completely screwed. There are guys in here that are going to fit roles and fit schemes, and it's going to be fantastic. Um, and Paragon Winfrey is just one of those guys. It might be a name you're not familiar with. Look him up, though, because he jumps off the tape. Um, and you see that a lot. You see that a lot throughout this. It's not top to bottom. you got to know what you're looking for. But if you know what you're looking for, you will probably find some gems in this draft. I think it's interesting, and I wanted to highlight this, that the one group that we haven't touched on, and, and I think there's a reason for it, is um, I don't have anybody worthy of being picked before the third round, and that's the tight end group. Right, they um, suck. Yeah, I, I think this is a very, very weak tight end group. 
Um, if you're if you're in desperate need of a tight end, you're out of luck this year. And there's nobody worth drafting before the middle of the third round. Um, and so, if anyone sitting at home wondering, how can I even talk about my favorite tight end? Well, it's because none of them are our favorite tight end. <laughs> um, so I, I, you know, I've got a few players um, I, 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 that I like, and you know, Jason touched on thing that I know that we talk about every year, which is, you know, where they're drafted and how important that is. And, and you know, I think I, I look at some of these quarterbacks and, you know, I know we kind of, you know, uh, crapped on them earlier in the show, but there's a few guys there that could develop if going to the right system in the right place and given a year or two to develop properly that could be good, good pros. Um, I know I, I'll get accused of, of homerism when showing a little love for my guy Sam Howell mm-hmm. from, from North Carolina. I, all last season I would text Rick that seven is greater than six. Um, <laughs> and, and, it, and his game reminds me a lot of Baker other than the fact that he's faster and more mobile and can run the football. Um, otherwise, they're very similar in terms of their their size, their arm, their you know skill. I mean, Baker's probably a little bit more accurate thrower, um, but he's also like a guy with you know with club feet and can't move around. Um, Howell is Howell can move the football with his feet, and that's what's exciting to me. So he's a guy I think that you know going to the right system in the you know in the second round, early third round, you know develops for a couple of years. Um, if he's not a starter, could have a long career in this league. Running backs. We haven't talked about running backs. Uh, not a great class. No. Uh, but there's a couple guys there I like. Kenneth Walker, the third out of Michigan State, you know, transferred in from Wake Forest, had a great college career, uh, ran a sub 4 4. I really like what he brings. Um, I know a lot of people are high on Brees Hall out of Iowa State. You know, um, very good player. Um, a guy that, you know, you talk about a gem at the running back position. Um, let's talk about Pierre Strong out of South Dakota State. Um, prototypical size, you know. Uh, well, he's a little short. He's about a 5'11", but 207, ran a 437. Um, great production in college. Um, you know, he's a, he's, a, he's a redshirt senior, so he's, he's been in college a long time. But I really like when you look at some of his some of his highlights in his tape. I really like what, how he runs the football. Um, there's a guy that you know you're going to get probably, and you probably can get him in the you know fifth round, even fourth round, fifth round. Um, it could be a really good uh, you know really good running back for you. Um, the uh, the Georgia tackles I, I like. Um, I think we've already covered all the. Uh, the wide receivers. Let's talk a little. Uh, let's talk a little specialist, you know, because Rick, you and I have talked about off the air about would it be crazy to draft one of these kickers, uh, you know, in the fourth or fifth round? Would it really be crazy? No, um, I don't think so because I think that I think that most fans underestimate just how important those specialist positions are. So when you talk about a kid like uh, Cade York at LSU. Uh, you know, probably worth a fifth round pick for sure. He could go fourth round. Uh, you know, team, this is a copycat league, and team saw what what the, the Bengals did with McPherson last year out of Florida, and what and what a great pickup he was. And and I know, like you know, our favorite team, the Browns, 
it hasn't worked out drafting kickers, but I think it's a thing you just keep trying. And, and you get those late-round picks, and you just keep swinging for the fences. So Kate York is a kid I really do like. Um, and frankly, you know, talking about a kicker, how do you not like the kid out of Texas? You know, Dicker. Cameron Dicker's a kicker. Come on. It's, 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 it's fantastic. It writes itself, um, Jerry. <laughs> it, it, it really does. Uh, and and it, uh, who is the kid the Browns? Signed late in the year last year. What was the? We've got him on the team. Uh, what was his name? It was like Miss It or something like that. <laughs> he had some name that was like really. That's the name of the Browns kicker, right? Um, you know. So I, I listen. I you know who, who you can't pass up Dicker the kicker in the seventh round. Um, let's talk about uh, Areza there, the, uh, the San Diego State kid who can apparently punt a football for like seventeen miles. Right. Uh, sounds like the only knock on him is the fact that he struggles with directional kicking. And I, I guess if you you know if you can boom at eighty yards every time, what does it really matter? Uh, but it sounds like something that's what the coaches should have to work with him on. There are some people think that kid, a punter, could go as high as the third round, and that he should. Um, and that he should. I, I I would be shocked at the third round because I think a GM. Will I think there are GMs that will go, I want to take the punter. And then there's someone in that room will look at him and go, you're about to take a punter in the third round. Um, you're going to take a punter in the top 100. Like, you're going to get crucified. So I think they, they'll, they'll be GMs that think twice about it and will we'll, we'll, we'll not think twice in the fourth round. Uh, but in the third round, they'll they'll have pause to pick a kid like that. But, so you know, there's some interesting little... Uh, you know, there's some interesting uh, prospects out there in some of these sort of non-traditional uh, uh, positions. And, you know, I, much to uh, Butch Davis's chagrin, I don't think there's a long snapper worth of <laughs> drafting um, in, this, in this draft. So, um, you, you know, probably a bunch of undrafted free agents there at the long snapper position. But, uh, you know, overall, I think, the, you know, this is a C to C-minus type of class overall, again. As Jason has so astutely pointed out, guys that can fill roles um, in different types of tasks, you can find a lot of those guys, but you've got to be a bargain shopper and you've got to be a smart GM that knows where to look. Um, and, um, and if you do that, you can have you can have a pretty good you can have a pretty good draft here in, in two weeks. Yes, you can. And the other thing I would say about the punter as well is that this is the rare instance of somebody who is a game-breaker, somebody who can drive after drive after drive, really change the dynamic in terms of dictating the other team's field position. You don't oftentimes have somebody uh, on your roster, even the best punters in the league, I can't do it to the degree that this kid projects to be able to do that. But if you could continually lock in another 10 to 15 yards or maybe even more, of field position differential based on having him versus somebody else. That's the part of it, Chris, where, again, people want to look at it on the surface and like, oh, you're going to spend a pick on a punter there? What you're spending a pick on is that vast differential in field position that you are going to get over the long haul of having him on your roster. Well, here's the danger in that, of course. He can punt the ball 70, 75 yards, and that's great. But what that also means is your, your coverage team can't get down to cover that in time. 
So you will be punting long. You know, you got a guy who can boot at 70 yards instead of the normal 45, but your coverage team won't be there. So you, your special team's coverage better be really good because the other team is going to be fielding and returning punts at a higher percentage in terms of how much runway they have to get started, right? So rather than that normal, you know, five, seven yard gap before the defenders are there, um, you know, somebody could have 15 to 20 yards, um, you know, of space or at least, you know, another four or five yards of space uh, in order to get started on a return, which could pose some challenges to uh, coverage teams. So that's, that's sort of just a little other side of that sword. Well, that's a very good point, uh, to be sure. Okay, so in terms of other thoughts here uh, that uh, you guys have that we haven't touched upon yet, uh, I'll start with you, Jason. Uh, thoughts on this 2022 NFL uh, draft? Uh, we, we, we've done a decent amount tonight to highlight uh, the players that need to be talked about in what is absolutely a thin draft class. Yeah, I think my biggest takeaway from all of this as we get ready for it to actually go down is whenever you're debating or discussing draft in any year, you're always going to have a certain percentage of people who are going to invoke the Tom Brady nonsense, so we throw that out. Uh, but after that, the second most common thing is to say, you can get good starting caliber, potentially Pro Bowl caliber players in those middle rounds. And I think this is a great example of how we'll go into this draft and not every team is going to come out of here with a star. But this is going to be a very good roster-building draft. And, and for anybody that follows beyond the draft and into free agency and salary cap and all the other deep-rooted factors, we all know that you can't have two $20 million defensive ends, you can't have a $20 million linebacker, you can't have two $20 million corners, and so on and so forth. So at some point, you have to get solid contributors that maybe aren't all pro level. And that's perfectly fine because no team in the history has ever been an all-star team. And this just might be one of those beautiful times where you look at these guys and say, okay, I don't need an all-pro. I don't need an all-star. What I need is a guy that can do blank. And you'll be able to find a guy that can do that thing and do it very well. And who knows what will happen after that. So I think this is a very good roster-building draft. I just don't think that if you're like looking at this thinking, I've got to get my next wide receiver one, or I've got to get my next, you know, all-pro middle linebacker. I, I temper your expectations a little bit and just be ready to acquire quality players who may or may not be the face of the franchise. That's a very interesting perspective. I agree with it completely, uh, Jason. And, uh, again, uh, as always, uh, the watchword is value. If teams are sticking to value, in uh, the process of this draft, even with the talent level being down from past years, uh, they can still maximize the opportunities that are available this time around. Uh, Chris, I'll throw it to you. Your your closing thoughts on this draft? I, I don't know what what Jason means. The Cleveland Browns are trying to have uh, twenty million dollar guys at every single position on the field. <laughs> <laughs> you thought that? I, 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 I thought that's what everybody was trying to do. Um, Listen, I think this is the kind of draft where the teams with the proven scouting departments and front offices that have figured out how to find value, and Rick is going to hate this, 
maybe this is the kind of draft where the analytics guys do a little better versus the teams that don't have the strong scouting or analytics departments. Hey, I'm looking at you, Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, <laughs> Mike Brown, Mike Brown, sitting in his office with Athlon Sports and every other magazine. He got a Barnes and Noble trying to decide who he's picking. Um, <laughs> this may not be the draft. This may not be the draft to go cheap and try to figure out how to do that. Um, this could be a draft that ends up being a real stumble for a team like the Bengals. Uh, because they don't invest in the deep dive on, on players. So uh, uh, to, to Jason's point, there are players here to build out a roster. Um, you just got to know where to look. And I would also say that, you know, speaking of analytics, this is the kind of draft where I think we could see a lot of trading down, where guys are going to say, you know what, this guy at the top of the first, I can get, or at the bottom of the first, I can get in, in, you know, 12, 15, 16 picks later, or a guy just like him. Uh, And I think we might see a lot of trading down in the first three to four rounds in this draft because of that, um, where teams are sort of cherry-picking a a guy who specializes in one thing or his skill set is specific to what they're looking for, to what Jason led us off with, uh, you know, on the show. Um, so I so let's watch for that uh, when the draft rolls around. Uh, you know how how how, how much are teams looking to, to move down, move down, get some value? Uh, are they looking to punt picks uh, into next year versus picking them up this year? That'll be telling um, as well. It'll tell you a lot about what they think of this class. Interesting. Yeah, I I could see that uh, being the case. The only thing on that is it takes two to tango, so it's going to take somebody who's interested in trading up to get a certain player in each of these instances, but that may still happen from time to time. And as far as it goes with the Bengals, uh, the one thing is they're already off to a start in this offseason as far as improving in the most vital area for them, which is offensive line, because as we know, Chris, our boy, the honorary Bobcat Joe Burrow last year had the functional equivalent of a shower curtain for his offensive line. And they've already taken great steps to make sure that will not be the case again next year. So, uh, well, and, if, and, and if you're the Bengals and somehow the center out of uh, Iowa falls to you, which he might, uh, he might be there, that's the kind of player they should just grab. Because that would be a smart value pick late in the first round in a position where they continue to need to have depth because they've got to protect the franchise. Absolutely. they got to do a better job on that. But uh, as far as protecting the franchise with the integrity of the best draft coverage you're going to get anywhere, uh, I would dare say the combo of Jones-Morris-Galloway protects that franchise year in and year out here with FDH. And uh, a real pleasure uh, once again, boys. Uh, Thank you so much, uh, FDH Lounge original dignitaries Jason Jones and Chris Galloway. Uh, As we provide you our preview of the 2022 NFL Draft, we will, as always, reconvene after the draft and give you our thoughts on everything that transpired. Uh, But uh, again, until then, the three of us will be back together at that time. Thank you, guys, and thank you, everybody, for tuning in to this mini-episode of the FDH Lounge.